Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 67. What good is innate health when my mind or body are broken? You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. The um, the idea and details for this episode, as much as there are details, um, but some little ways of talking about this have just started like knocking on the door of my head in the last 10 minutes. So I don't know, maybe I'll tell you a little bit about this funky, like creative process of mine and I'm sure I'm not alone in it, but um, I get so, I don't know, like just ideas and thoughts and so much stuff just whooshes through me. It feels like this big flood of stuff at times, not all the time, obviously, but sometimes. And and when it does, I don't know. I'm such a such a note taker. I always have been. I just and a list maker and all of that. Um, that I just feel like I need to get it out of my head and start to move the formless into form, as if I'm in charge of that. But I'm not in charge of it. But just kind of helping usher it through. And so you should see the notes app in my iPhone. It's obscene hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of notes. And it's all just these little ideas or, you know, insights I have for like a student in the little school, big change. We've been talking about something and I'll have an idea for them or not an idea on what to do, but just a way to help them see something that they aren't seeing or um, so much stuff. And, you know, so I look back at that later and a lot of it doesn't make any sense, but a lot of it has become, you know, pretty much every one of these episodes books, uh, products, like all kinds of stuff, you know, videos I've made on things. And so it's a funny thing, but the thing about it is that um, like six or seven years ago, it felt really, really bad. (laughs) It was, it was, um, it just felt so full of angst. So like, oh my gosh, I have all this within me and it just, there's no time and space and way for it to come out. Now, Six or seven years ago, I had two tiny kids and who were very demanding <laughs> as much as any tiny kids are. So so that was kind of the case in many ways where I would have all these ideas, but there's, what am I going to do? Like I felt, I felt at that time, the way it looked to me is, oh, well, I'm going to have to wait five years until these kids go to school and then I'll have time, which is not true because I wrote books and did things in that time. But, um, but it felt so, it felt like, like this, life energy trying to move through me. And then I had like one of those funnels where I was trying to just slow the whole thing down and just drip it out the bottom. And it felt horribly painful. And I know that's very dramatic the way I'm even sharing that now, but that is how it felt. And I didn't work on it. I didn't, I didn't have any specific insights around this or anything like that, but I don't know. It feels different now. And the big whooshes of of inspiration and creativity still come all the time. And I still just write when I can as, as quickly and furiously as I can in my in my notes on my phone and then look back at them later and see what's there. But luckily, thankfully, a lot of the the angst is gone around it. I still do have those fantasies that I think probably most writers and other people have of 
of, you know, like they show in the movies of like renting a cabin somewhere in complete solitude for weeks on end. And I'm pretty sure that that probably is not in the cards for me for a very long time. And that's okay because I honestly think I, and that's not even what I want. It's just what my mind tells me is the solution, you know, to this, this creativity backup, this log jam of creativity that I, that my mind tells me I have sometimes. It's funny, I go to yoga every morning at six and after an hour of yoga that's really physically demanding um, and at the same time, a mind that hopefully within reason is relatively quiet usually during that time, I drive home and I have a 10 minute drive home and I usually do it in silence and there is just so much showing up, so much, I mean, solutions to problems. And again, like different ways, it's a lot of it. It's like different ways to say things so that students can hear them, different things I can do. I mean, just so much of that stuff. And, um, and so I get home and I pull in the garage and I often don't make it out of the car. <laughs> I'll pull in the garage, get out my notes app, and I'm just furiously writing all this stuff down. Sometimes I'm I'm there for like 10, 15 minutes and my husband will open the door and check in the garage, like make sure I didn't fall asleep with the car running or something. But um, oh, it's just my thing. It's just just how I work. So anyway, all of that came up because um what I want to share with you here in this episode just came through in that way um, just a few minutes ago. So this question of, okay, if we're so fundamentally healthy and resilient and and resourceful and like just full of anything and everything we need, what, who cares? <laughs> who cares basically? Like what good is that? when I'm dying of cancer or when I have a brain injury and I can't think clearly and I don't remember things or when I'm so depressed I haven't gotten out of bed or I'm full of anxiety. Why does it matter? Like, why are we even looking there? And I say this on behalf of some of the students in the the current version of the school, the six-week course that at the time of my recording this, we're about two weeks in. So we're very early in the process, but not too early to where people haven't really started to have some awesome insights and some change around things. Um, it's always incredible how quickly that happens. But so, so it feels like we're more than two weeks in, in a lot of ways, a lot has happened, a lot has shifted for people. But at the same time, and at the same time, we're still very much in these really early phases of this where a lot of, I, th I think, what has kind of shifted and cleared for people is like they just start to get pointed in a direction. And because this direction is so different than the direction they've been pointed in, so the direction they've been pointed in is I'm broken, there's something wrong with me, nothing works, I don't know how, to, I, need, I need to change this and I don't know how to change this not a fun or easy direction to be pointed in. And so early, early, early on in the school or in this conversation in any way, we just kind of take them by the shoulders very gently and point them in a completely different direction. What if you aren't? What if you don't have to fix this? What if you're more okay than you think you are? You know, and and I think just by virtue of that, like looking away from 
from the junk <laughs> as opposed to looking away from all the painful stuff is just what what leads so many people to in that first week or two say, whoa, I feel so much, so much like more calm than I used to. So, um, so that's kind of where we are with it. But so understandably, there are people in the, in the community with major, major life things going on. You know, again, like brain injury, like spouses with young children and the partner is dying of cancer, like, like soon. I mean, just one woman, you know, has lost five or so family members from cancer and just found out that her one remaining brother now has cancer. Like just so much of that kind of stuff that people go through. And no wonder, no kidding, they're asking this excellent question of who the hell cares? Why Why do I care how wonderful my essence is if my my physical experience here on earth sucks? And I so respect that. I really do. And I so understand it. I've been thinking late, I don't know why this just came to mind recently, but um, our, our neighbors, a house in our neighborhood. Um, now I live in the Midwest and people are very into their yards. Let me just preface this by saying that. And I know the environmental and all that, I get it, but it's, it's just what's happening around me right now. So people are very into their yards. We, um, we have yard people, um, fertilizer, like who has the greenest grass, all that crap. So there's a house in our neighborhood. I, we think they, they thought they were putting down weed killer baby. And, um, and it was actually, I don't even know what this product would be, but it was actually grass killer. So their whole yard just turned into like hay or straw or something. Um, yellow, dead grass, big, like splotchy, not good, right? And it was like that, I think, I don't know, most of summer probably. And um, just this week, they have started digging it up. So they've they've had somebody out there or they're doing it, I don't know, but they're digging up the dead grass. And now when you look at their yard, it's like they're starting fresh. It's brown. They don't have green grass. They're not winning that competition. But but it looks healthy, you know, like, you know, like what, what nice fertile like soil looks like. I mean, it's nice and brown and, and we're so used to seeing this dead stuff there for so long. And it's like, now it's like, oh, there's, look at all the, look at all the potential. Like it looks so much better, which is funny. If you think about it, it's just dirt versus dead grass. Who cares? But it looks alive. You know, it looks like there's, possibility and like, oh, that's, there's something there now that's fresh. It's not stale and old. It's fresh. It's not fully cooked. Like it's on its way to taking on even more forms. And crazy to me how, <laughs> it's so dumb, but like really how different their yard looks. But for me, like seeing that, it's like, wow, it went from dead to alive. And all the while, all summer long, when their grass looked dead and crunchy and not nice, this was there beneath it. Now, did we see it all summer? No, no one saw it. But I don't know why it just brought this to life for me so much. Like, wow, that was there beneath it. And if they choose to put more grass down, 
that's what's going to make that possible. Like that is going to, that same dirt that was the foundation between beneath their dead grass will be the foundation beneath their living grass if that's what they do. That will, like the seeds will live in that and they will sprout from that. Like that's going to be the source of it in a sense. No, I get it. It's form. It's not really the source, but you know what I mean? Like that's going to be the new foundation for whatever comes next. So I think, I think what happens is we get so caught up in, understandably, of course we do, looking at certain physical things and just thinking that's the end of the road. We forget what's beyond, beneath, behind it. Like There's no concept of that in our minds really at all. We just are so focused on, on what's there in front of us and what, and it just looks like that's all there is. So I talk about this often in terms of the content of our thinking versus the fact that we're thinking. So in, in that regard, how it looks is, yes, we're, there's this, there's just thought moving through every human being on earth, every single moment of their entire lives. There's this thought energy moving through them. Wow, that's huge. That's huge. The thought energy is bringing an experience, some experience to life through literally every person who's alive in every single moment that they're alive. There's that. But where we tend to look, especially when it's us, is why did that thought show up? Why did that feeling show up? Why am I having this experience? So we're not looking at the fact that thought brings experience to life constantly for all people. We're looking at the nature of the specific experience that moved through us a nanosecond ago. And by the way, once it's through us, it's done. Like it no longer lives on. It's it's dead. It's gone. It's over. But we don't see it that way. So so we keep dragging it around and looking back and bringing it back up. And, you know, and that looks like kind of the end of the road to us. Like, well, this is my psychological experience. What else is there in life? I have this psychological output, the thoughts and feelings and behaviors and all of that that are me. And and we just kind of pitch our tent there and hang out and that becomes our life. And, and it starts to look like the best we can do is to maybe move our tent closer to the river or under that tree or in, in psychological terms, I mean, think a nicer thought or change your mindset or change your environment or do do something different or you know, try to change your feelings or whatever that might look like. Because, hey, if that's the world we're living in, the world of this output, of course, like what else are you going to do? That's the best you can do is better your output when all you're looking at is output. Now, now what we do in this conversation is look away from the output a bit not even look away from it. I don't care if you look at it or not, but you won't look at it so much when you start to look more toward the process. So last week in the school, this crazy thing came to my head about an assembly line. Um, same thing, right? It's like it's like you can have an assembly line with this really, really advanced machinery that does all these different things, right? It takes takes this thing and puts it over there and moves this one along the line. And then somebody picks that one up and does something to it and puts it back on the line. And then the machine does this to it and stamps it and packages it and does all that stuff, right? 
super sophisticated, miraculous machine, there's a process there. And there's a process. I, I'm not an assembly line or machine expert, but I'm guessing there's a lot in common when it comes to those machines, right? Now, of course, they have their own specifications to create whatever thing they're creating, whatever the output is. But, you know, I'm guessing machine experts can have a conversation with each other and understand each other quite a bit because the basics behind all that that process and how how the stuff is ultimately going to come to life through that machine and all of that are pretty universal. That's what we're talking about when we're looking at looking more at like how life moves through us and turns into stuff. And again, within us, the stuff is our psychology. So in the the assembly line example, what we're used to doing is staring at what's getting spit out of that machine. And again, there's such a logic to this. Of course we are. Of course we are. But um, an assembly line or a machine that creates a car bumper versus one that creates a box of cookies versus one that creates a tennis shoe. I mean, the, the machine is pretty much the same. And if, if we're just standing at the very end of that, when the final product gets spit out and we're saying, cookies, yay, I got cookies. Mine spit out cookies. Awesome. Oh, I got a bumper. Are you kidding me? What am I supposed to do with this bumper? And our whole life, I mean, it sounds crazy, but our whole life is that in a sense. We're looking at the output. We're looking at what gets spit out and then we're liking it or disliking it, complaining about it or or owning it as if it, we created it. <laughs> you know, telling stories about what it all means about us. It must mean something about me if I keep getting tennis shoes spit out of my machine versus the person over there getting cookies spit out of their machine. We spend so much time bogged down in that little end result physical level that we can't help, but like, that's the world we're living in. So we're going to do the best we can from within that world. And we're missing the whole point. We're missing the whole like creative process and what's beyond it and behind it and how it happened and where it's coming from, which is, which is really like, I mean, that's just where it's at. And that's where change is at. That's where freedom is at, is to see things in this much, much, much bigger picture. So what does this have to do with <laughs> someone who is sick and saying, well, where's my innate health? Well, fine. In theory, I have a, I have a healthy soul or spirit, but what's, what good is that doing? Just like we're used to looking at the thoughts and the feelings and the behaviors and all of that in our own lives when it comes to us, we're also used to, I think, walking through the world, seeing a bunch of human beings that appear separate and individual, seeing them do and you know be in the world in all kinds of different ways, and attributing all of what they're doing and being to their brains. Like, he's a loving person, as if he chose that with his with his mind somehow like he's you know he's he's a loving person she's a creative person like 
as if that's coming from what we're looking at, as if that's coming from their hands or their stomach or their brain even. And so when we're looking at a physical human being who appears to be separate and has this brain that's just this amazing machine that runs everything, that's kind of the equivalent of us standing at the end of that assembly line just focused on what's getting spit out. And I think that's really not natural sometimes for us to see. Like that can be really, really tough to see. Of course it can. Really tough to see. So when that's the case, like when it just looks like, sure, we have this, this you know, formless, you know, spiritual thing, but I don't really know anything about that. That's not real for me. What's real for me is I'm a separate human being with a physical body and brain. Then, then of course, when something goes wrong, quote unquote wrong, with that physical body or brain, of course, we, we, who cares about the spirit beyond it? Because that's not even real or tangible for us. You know, it's like a, just a nice idea. Now, let me go back to the quote unquote wrong piece for a second. We're making up what should be happening in our lives. This is hard to hear. This is, it, it's, this is difficult, but we are making up the rules for how long a human body should live on earth. Now, I am making those rules up too. Just we all are. I am making up rules saying the people I love most in the world better live into their hundreds or or they've died too young and I don't like it. <laughs> That's what we do, right? It's okay. But you also want to see that you're the one making up that rule. We are making up the rules for what it means to have a brain that quote unquote doesn't work because it doesn't remember things or because it can't think as quickly as it used to or because it doesn't process information in a, in a way that everyone else's brain processes information. We make that up and we don't make it, obviously, we don't sit down at a table with our notepad and make up the rules and we personally don't even come up with that. I really want you to kind of get this big feel for this, how layers and layers and layers and layers of thinking from all over the place creates rules about how long people should live, what their lives should look and feel like, and what is physically healthy and unhealthy. There's just a baby born um, from a politician, you probably heard this story. Um, they have nine kids, <laughs> nine kids, and um, so he just recently dropped out of the the race he was he was in um, because they found out that their ninth child was going to have some some health issues, and the baby was just born, I think, this week with Down syndrome. And it's like it's just such a like okay, so there's an extra chromosome there. Everybody in the world is looking. Uh, like it's just we're not doing this on purpose it's just what our mind gives us saying oh unhealthy problem not fair oh that's too bad that's so sad now i get it me too right like i, I don't i would rather my children not have an extra chromosome but i really want us to see at the same time a mind is has made that stuff up that little baby any human on earth people in pain, people depressed, people dying of cancer right now. 
the reason our innate health matters, like what it's good for, even when our mind and body are breaking down, is that that is the source of everything that you care about. Your capacity to love and feel joy and feel feel pain and feel anguish and just be alive, to be connected with people, your capacity for everything is not coming from your mind or your body. It's coming from who you really are beyond that. My neighbor's dead grass was still coming from this amazing, beautiful source, right? It's all that stuff. See, I think that's the big misunderstanding and the fear is that we think if I don't have all my mental faculties, if I'm in pain, if I'm, if I'm suffering with the panic attacks, if, you know, if all these things happen, then that reduces my capacity for whatever, fill in the blank. It reduces my ability to be happy and, and enjoy life and all of that. And I really like we have to blow our minds open to see this, but it absolutely does not, not even a tiny bit. Now, it may reduce your capacity to go to Harvard. That little baby born with Down syndrome may not go to Harvard. Fine. <laughs> I didn't go to Harvard either. Most of us didn't, right? Like, big deal. But see that really, like, um, our minds are just so. So full of what's good and what and why and oh well you want the ability to go to heart like yeah that kid can't do this and she can't do that and she will never do this. Who cares? Those are literally things that a human mind has made up and attached to well-being and attached to having a nice life as a concept, right? Attached to the concept and the idea of well-being and having a nice life. And so we look at that and call it a problem. But it isn't. It really isn't. Like everything that we really care about, everything we care about is coming from that health that's, that's beyond a physical mind or body. And again, the reason I went into the whole conversation around not just stopping at, oh, well, my brain is who I am or my body's who I am or my my line's spitting out tennis shoes and that's who I am is because when we're looking there and that looks like the end of the road, you're not going to be able to kind of see this, you know, because it's just going to be like, no, well, it's fine. I'm broken. I have cancer. I'm only going to live to be 50. Not fair. Not okay. And oh my God, it's, I would feel the exact same way. Every human would. And it's our mind telling us that. It's layers and layers of thoughts and beliefs about what's okay and how life should go. And if we can even just, now you don't have to get rid of that. Like, I wouldn't know how either. You don't have to get rid of that. You don't have to do anything with that. But if we can have our mind coming up saying, that's too bad, she's broken, he's not okay, This life should be this way for this person. If we can hear that stuff and feel that stuff and know that that's, coming from thought in a moment. It may not even be ours. It's, it's what's been told to us over and over and over. And that's what's creating that experience of not fair, not enough, not okay. Not life. Then, then that's where it's like this space opens up for, for the health and the resilience and the love and the connection that are there no matter what's going on physically or circumstantially. 
for you to feel that stuff, for it to come through even more. Because if we just shut our mind down to it and say, nope, done, I'm cooked, you know, this is how my story ends, and then that's just going to be how our story ends. But if we can just hold both, like let your mind complain and kick and scream and do what it needs to do, and know that your mind's doing that, oh my gosh, like what that would open us up to seeing and feeling. So many people, like I think the specific area where I'm seeing this all over the place is is people who are caring for parents, let's say with Alzheimer's or dementia. I can't even imagine. I mean, of course, of course, it's hard. Like the, that person might not recognize you at some point. They're, they don't they don't appear to be the person that you knew and became so attached to, but they are. There's nothing missing that's important from that person. It's just that as human beings, we're so caught up in the physical that over, over a lifetime, we become very attached to a person's personality. And without even knowing it, we think that's who they are. Oh, she doesn't have her sense of humor anymore. I don't even know her. I don't recognize her. She doesn't have her memories. She can't remember when we did this thing together. Like we get so attached to that as if that is who they are and means something. And if we can, again, let your mind go there and wish that they remembered and all of that, but also know that that's just what a human mind does. And that beyond that, there's so much to explore and discover and who that person is right now in this moment and what's you know what's possible for them to feel and for you to feel right now in this moment with their physical body and their brain and doing exactly what it's doing. It's amazing what you can see in that. I so feel for everything that is hard and that people are going through. And again, just as a human being, we all know how unfair and, and how angry we could get at life and, and all of that. And it, it's just so, it's so, so, so human and so okay. And, and please don't hear this as you should feel that or think that or that you need to do something with that. Just see it, you know, just see it as, as what it means to be human and where a human mind goes. And know, even if you just secretly kind of very vaguely know in the back of your mind, yeah, but I think maybe I'm not seeing the big picture. I hate this. It shouldn't be happening. It's not fair. And maybe there's a bigger picture here. Just that alone. That just, again, it's like I started off this episode saying, it's what starts to bring relief and insight and opening is that we're just pointed in a different direction. Rather than pointed at, this is horrible, how am I going to cope? We're pointed toward, okay, I don't, well, I'm not loving the feel. <laughs> I'm not loving what's happening here. But what if there's more? 